Welcome back to another SPFL show, a very, very packed show today. I'm going to be joined um, by Cove Rangers assistant manager, Gordon Young, who's going to speak to me about Cove's start to the season. And my co-host this week is the one and only Grant Campbell, Dr. Grant Campbell. He has just celebrated 150 shows with the excellent Campbell's footballs. Graham Easton, the voice of Hamden, was Grant's guest. Please check out that show, but not just that show, because I mentioned the fact there's 150 of them and there's plenty of choice for everyone, whether you like your continental football, your Northern Irish football, Scottish football, English football, Grant's got it all covered. And you can follow him on Twitter at Stato under slash Grant as well. So welcome to the show, Grant. How are you? I'm very well, Callum. It's nice to be back on the SPFL show and I hope everyone's tuning in as well. I'm well and I hope you are too. I'm doing very well, Grant, um, but unfortunately it's been one of these crazy weeks in, in 2020 where we've had quite some sad news. Um, Bobby Ball had passed away, of course, um, and, and two people who were linked with football um, and Sean Connery and, and Nobby Styles passed away. Sean, of course, a, a massive fan of the Scotland national team and Scottish football. He is, for me, James Bond, just an incredible man. Nobby Styles, of course, an English um, World Cup winner, um, Willie Morgan, who, who I record a, a show with, summed up Nobby by saying that before he arrived at Manchester United, he was scared of Nobby Styles. He said he was a fierce man. He was he was a man you would not mess with. And and when he joined United, he found out that Nobby Styles was actually the loveliest man off the pitch. So on the pitch, he was. Um, Quite the, quite the chap, but off the pitch, well, he said he, he, he genuinely was a gentleman and, and he was fierce on the pitch, but he wouldn't even fight a fly off the pitch. So I found that to be quite a, a tribute from Willie. Yeah, the very sad news um, about Nobby Styles. Um, obviously, we weren't around in 1966, but it was a fantastic time for, for English football. You know, the, the, the famous Kenneth Wollstoneholm line, wasn't it? They think it's all over, it is now, and it it's a very synonymous moment with footballing folklore and yet another one of that amazing 66 teams sadly leaves us in this really shocking 2020 year, isn't it? I mean, it just never ceases to get any better, which is a, a real shame. It's just not been a, a great year all round for everybody. And, uh, you know, you mentioned um, Sean Connery as well. You know, you just summed him up really well. He was the James Bond. He was just absolutely fantastic. I don't know about yourself, but I remember watching them uh, when I was a young kid. I still watch them to this day. Uh, my brother and I are massive Bond fans and you know, I, I remember Goldfinger watching it just six months ago and it was a wonderful film obviously, but just to watch the the kind of camaraderie that he has with people like Miss Moneypenny in the in the movie but also the, his interactions with Oddjob and Goldfinger himself Absolutely fantastic. But Sir Sean was more than just Bond. He was just a lovely man, a face of Scotland. I always loved the interaction he had being in Andy Murray's box for that US Open final in 2012. You know, that infamous moment when he's there with Sir Alex Ferguson uh, when Murray defeats Djokovic in New York. Um, a very f- a superb moment, it uh, really was. Um, so he leaves a massive hole in the heart of Scotland and he will be very sorely missed. He certainly will be. And another really sad 
piece of news that, that came in this weekend, of course, was was the passing, the, 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 the tragically sad passing of Mary Lucas, who was an incredible captain of hearts. He was a Scottish Cup winning captain of hearts. Um, he played at Rangers as well in Scotland. He, he had a career that, that that was a very good career. He was an international and um, he's someone who had a really positive impact in Scottish football and and for anyone to pass um, is, is incredibly and deeply sad. But to pass at the age of of thirty six is it's just it's just so tragic for his friends and family and and of course everyone associated with Hearts who remembers him fondly and and of course Rangers and his other clubs as well because yeah, he was a leader and 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 to be a Scottish Cup winning captain whether it's with Hearts Rangers Celtic Aberdeen St Johnston no matter which club it's with it's one incredible achievement. Yeah, um, an absolutely shocking loss when I heard that at half-time on the BBC Scotland channel commentary from Liam McLeod, bringing that news out at half-time that uh, Marius had passed away. Um, I think Michael Stewart summed him up really well, Callum, at the end of the actual game. He was a happy-go-lucky character. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned in my recent blog for Football CFB, uh, my review of the week, uh, go check it out. Um, He was a committed, passionate leader. And, uh, you know... Every time I remember Zalukas as an Aberdeen fan myself, he was always a determined, uh, hard, but fair defender. Um, always put his body in the line. But he just seemed like a really lovely character. You know, I, I was reading some of the the wonderful um, dedications um, to him um, of his death, obviously, on social media. Craig Gordon spoke of him very highly. He seemed to be very emotional after the game. Uh, yesterday, which we'll come on to, I'm sure, talk about shortly. But Rudy Scatchell with a very nice uh, tweet I've seen as well. Um, there was a lovely piece as well by Ryan McGowan, uh, Danny Granger as well, who, of course, I've had on Campbell's Footballs and you, of course, I've had on Football CFB. Um, really, really shocking. Um, 36 is far too young to die. He had his whole life ahead of him. Um, Ali McCoist, I think, said yesterday on uh, Premier Sports that... Uh, his wife or his partner, they were expecting a child. Um, you know, they just heard the, this great news. And to hear this shocking development midway through an Edinburgh derby in a semi-final live on TV, it almost reminded me of that shocking day when Eric Bristow died. Um, I'm a big darts fan, as many of you will know listening to this, or if you don't, I'm just telling you now. But uh, yeah, it reminded me of that. And it, it, it almost felt like, did that really happen? I almost had to retune my ears to actually hear if that was correct. It was just so surreal and so somber. But yet it was a great, you know, it was a weird sort of day yesterday. And that, that news sort of filtering through, you've got to hand it to people who are presenting news of such shock, because not only can it shock them, but it must shock everybody listening as well. And my heart goes out to everybody associated with Hearts, Zalaukas' clubs, but the whole country of Lithuania as well, because he internationally um, had about 25 caps, I think, for Lithuania. I think he only scored one goal. Um, I was doing my research earlier on. But he was a, a fantastic guy by all accounts, uh, and there's no doubt about it. Um, his memories will always be with a lot of Hearts fans for that 2012 win over Hibs, no doubt about that. The, the memories will certainly be there, and, and Hearts, I suppose, in the in a, in a fitting a fitting tribute to Zalukas, beat Hibs in, in the semi final of the of the Scottish Cup to to get to another Scottish Cup final, um, where they will will play Celtic as as we'll come on to. 
What did you make of the game, Grant? And and again, and I'm going to apologise to, to any fans of referees or who think that um, pundits criticise referees too much. Crucially, what did you make of Willie Collum's performance? Because I don't like digging out referees. Um, I really don't. But I don't think his performance was good enough for the semi-final of a national competition. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start with the game itself in chronological order because I thought personally the first half... Um, was not the greatest affair. Um, it had flashes from decent play, um, but the big moment in the first half is that absolutely stunning save from Craig Gordon. I think it was Nisbet's header, cracking ball into the box from Boyle and a really good flashing header. And Craig Gordon producing a, a save of real quality, the quality that showcased why once upon a time he was the most expensive goalkeeper in British football. Absolutely fantastic save. The reason why once upon a time he was up there with one of Scotland's best goalkeepers. Um, It was a phenomenal goalkeeping save. In a first half that I thought both teams sort of were cancelling each other out, there wasn't an awful lot of um, action in terms of chances. There was a lot of good endeavour, but there wasn't really a lot happening. The second half really came alive when um, um, the Hearts took the lead. Um, Really good cross from uh, Ollie Lee uh, and a really good header um, for the opening goal for Hearts. Uh, uh, a really good goal from Whiten, uh, who has really kind of started the season well for Hearts uh, in the domestic front as well. He was very good against Dundee on the opening night of the season. Uh, but he was also very good in the game at our at our broth as well. But you've got to hand it to Hibs. They come behind. They come from behind. Really good goal from Doidge. Uh, a very different style of header, but a really good sort of flicked header. A lot of placement on the header, and Craig Gorn's got no chance. And it was one-one, uh, and you know. After that, it, it was it sort of developed into a really strange game because the attention sort of centred on Willie Collum. And, uh, you know, there was a big moment um, just before full time. Um, there was a potential penalty for Hibbs. I personally thought it was very difficult um, for the, the referee to give it on his view. I think someone like Bobby Madden, who I believe was behind the particular goal at that end of the pitch at that time, you know, for me, he should have been helping Willie Collum with the actual decision-making but if they can't see it, they can't give it. And I think it was a very difficult one, the first one. So I can maybe let them away with the first one uh, just before um, extra time. Into extra time, you know, Craig Gorn makes a, a fumbled save on at the post. He gets a little bit of fortune, but they get away with that. But the second period of extra time was just bonkers. Um, first of all, the Hibs penalty for me is not a penalty. Um, yes, it's a clumsy challenge, but there's no contact for me. The Hibs player went down far too easily. I, I think it's more of a dive than a penalty. And if it is a dive, it should be a yellow card. Um, uh, the Hearts penalty um, is a tangling of legs. It's a coming together. For me, it's not a penalty, but it's not a dive either. For me, it's just a play on. But ultimately, Callum, the two penalties came down to who held their nerve. Liam Boyce did and Kevin Nisbet didn't. And ultimately, that's how the game finished up. And Hearts ended up winning it 2-1. And, but it was it was just a really strange game. It was a strange game, and I think Hearts, um, obviously being the the championship club, you could a lot of people. Andy Ritchie said in the show last week. I mean, Hearts are a championship club, a club really in, in name only because really when you look at the, the quality of their players, they, they they should be a premier a premiership club. But they've got the opportunity this season, this twenty seven game season, to earn their place back in the premiership, and I'm sure Robbie Nielsen will back his side to do that. Mm-hmm. One thing, Grant, I want to get off my chest. Um, I find Jack Ross's use of Stevie Mallon this season to be baffling. He's made seven appearances in the 
in the Scottish Premiership this season. Only one start and six off the bench. Now, he only has one goal. Um, obviously, I think coming off the bench six times, I don't think you're going to get the, the most ample opportunity to, to score goals. But for me, at times, I felt yesterday Hibs needed that wee bit more of a creative spark in the middle. And I think Marlon's a player who I rate highly. I'm not saying this because he's been on Football CFB before. Um because at the end of the day, there's lots of players that haven't been, and I rate them very highly. Um, I think Gogic, for me, delivers everything that Hibs needed and have needed for a, for a period of time. He's strong, he wins the ball back, he gets it to the ball players. But I just don't see how, how Stevie Mallon just isn't in that Hibs team at starting more games. And, and Because when, when you look back at his spell at Hibs and his spell previously in Scottish football at St Mirren, He's someone who is, is very capable of making things happen out of nothing. And in a semi-final, I think that's the sort of player you need. The fact he comes on, he comes on 115 minutes into the game. I just find that, as I say, baffling. Well, first of all, um, I think Jack Ross has got himself a very settled structure with the team. He loves to play Joe Newell and uh, Gogic in the centre of that for midfield. I think I was just looking back on the Kilmarnock game, the last league game. He played Boyle on the right and uh, Mallon on the left. And Mallon kind of came on uh, off the bench, didn't he? You know, Kyle McGuinness has been signed. You know, he's been in the fray as well. So Hibs have an array of options. There is no doubt about that. But I agree with you. I find it very astonishing that Mallon was left till so late on in the game to influence things. Now, for me, I thought he was the perfect guy to come on right at the start of extra time. Uh, when, as you say, Hibbs needed that spark to to break down what was a very stubborn Hearts defence. You know, apart from that goal from the set piece that they conceded, Hearts were very resolute throughout the game. Um, you know, as I said, Craig Gorn made a few good saves. But I think my personal opinion is if the way to best accommodate someone like Stevie Mallon, I think you may have to sacrifice maybe just playing Nisbet or Dodge as that one up front, especially away from home. I think at Easter Road, you could maybe get away with a two up front with they currently have. But I agree with you in, in the sense that, that Malin creates a lot in terms of attacking prowess. He likes to have a pot shot from 25, 30 yards out. But I, I just feel that Ross is kind of backed into a corner a little bit because he's damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't. Because Deutsch and Nisbet as a partnership have worked very well this season. And if you were to drop one to bring him in, you disrupt the balance of the team. Now, there's no doubt about it that Gogic has made a massive difference to that Hibs midfield. He's a very good destructor of the game, really breaks things up. Joe Newell, for me, has been extremely impressive in the centre of that midfield. It's a very difficult conundrum, but I do agree with you in the sense that in extra time yesterday, or on Saturday evening as we're recording this, I think it's important that Hibs needed to get somebody that was going to decide the game and be proactive. It almost felt a little bit reactive from Ross to bring him on so late on in the game. Absolutely, and it'll be interesting and to, to see how, how he gets on um, over the next few weeks and months ahead because normally the summer business is done at the start of August and you've got a long time until January, but with Marlon and, and Hibbs and, and most clubs, obviously, January's just around the corner, so it'll be interesting to see if he doesn't break in whether he looks to move on either on loan or permanent, because he definitely needs to be starting games for me. Um, but obviously, time will tell with that. On to the, the second semi-final, Celtic versus Aberdeen. I was very honest, um, Grant. I thought that Aberdeen would be going into this game with a great chance of of potentially toppling Celtic in a, in a semi-final because of 
last weekend's uh, Scottish Premiership game, a three-all thriller, which was which was a, a game that the neutrals, I'm sure, absolutely loved. But today that wasn't the case. I think for Celtic, um, Neil Lennon will be delighted that he's got Odson Edward back. I think Tom Rogic playing in the number 10 position makes a huge difference to Celtic. I think when when Celtic play a 4-2-3-1 and when Celtic play <laughs> square pegs and square holes, the team is undoubtedly better. What I was fascinated by today and from a Celtic perspective is the fact that Beaton, Laxalt and Frimpong were, were pushing on for the majority of, of the game. They were, they were looking to get forward, which I, I felt at times left Celtic a wee bit exposed at the back. And, and as we know, their defence has been, has been questionable this season. But I have to say, I mean, Neil Lennon obviously went into the game against Lille on Thursday under immense pressure. They went 2-0 up. They should have seen the game out, of course, but a point away from home in Europe is, is, is I suppose, never a bad result. And then today they followed it up with, with a good win, and I think a deserved win over, over Aberdeen at Hamden. And, and as I say, Grant, I think he'll be delighted that he's got players, key players back, and crucially that he can play them in their best positions. Because for me, when he was trying to play 3-5-2, as much as uh, people have said, Simon Ferry being one of them on Go Radio and an open goal, that he feels that Celtic's best system, I just personally disagree. I think Celtic are a side need width. Frimpong's very good. Um, Laxall is very good at getting forward. But I think when you play a 3-5-2 and they're the only width, I think that, that that's something that can be counterproductive for Celtic. And another thing, just one last thing on Celtic before I discuss Aberdeen, I think the fact that Scott Bain is now looks as if he's now Celtic's number one again is incredibly bold. I mean, I like Scott Bain. I think he's a good goalkeeper. Whether he's is he the same standard as Alan McGregor at Rangers, I, I don't think so. Um, but for me, that's a bold statement from Neil Lennon, and and it points to whoever um, sanctioned the the signing of of Vakalis Barkas this summer because he's come in, he's not been convincing. He wasn't even in the squad for the recent league game, and now he finds himself on the bench for the National Cup semi final. So again, with January on the horizon, I know he's just in the door, but. You just wonder how that'll play out. On Aberdeen, um, I think it was a tough day for Aberdeen. I think it's one of those things where I had said I thought it'd be good that Aberdeen played Celtic last week. They'd have been buoyed, but maybe it was the worst case scenario in many ways as, as, as Celtic obviously would be saying to themselves, we don't want this to happen again. Andy Considine, I don't think, had his best game today, but a footballer can't be 10 out of 10 every single week. And ultimately, I think Celtic were, were, were worth the victory. How Aberdeen bounce back will be crucial. Um, Sam Cosgrove, of course, came, at, came off just after the, the hour mark. So it'll be interesting to see um, if he can find his form again for Aberdeen because they badly need his goals to make sure they stay in games and have a chance of winning them. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, um, I thought Celtic deserved to win today. Um, you know, the quadruple treble is still on. And, you know, I think it was last weekend, Andy Walker... Um, was quoted as saying that if Celtic had gone three or four games without a win, uh, they were a club in crisis. Well, that mini crisis for me is over. Um, you know, they played well in midweek in France. Uh, I watched the game. Uh, I thought first half they were superb. Mohamed Elianusi scoring two very good goals. It was a pity they didn't hold out for the three points from a Scottish football's point of view, but a point, as you say, in France, Colin, uh, nothing to be sniffed at. In a particularly tough group with Milan uh, and Sparta Prague as well. And I think now Celtic's just before we go into the, the game today, um, 
Celtic, for me, have to now get six out of six against Sparta Prague if they have any aspirations of getting out of their Europa League group. But I ask question marks because obviously they have the league. You know, they're already nine points behind Rangers. You know, yes, they've got games in hand, but is Europe a distraction to Celtic going for the ten in a row or the quadruple treble? It, it's going to be interesting to see how Celtic shape that up um, over the next uh, few weeks and, and months ahead. As for today's game, um, I thought it was a straight forward day for Celtic. Um, for me, the game uh, was done and dusted after a quarter of the way through the match, after 24 minutes. Um, Ryan Christie showing a wonderful piece of quality with a, a really good finish. Um, and then uh, Elianusi, who can, can, can flatter to deceive at times, but when he is good, he is a quality, quality player. Uh, and he took the same goal well. Um, I think what really impressed me about Celtic is you mentioned about Rogic being in the number 10 position, but he is often the scourge of Aberdeen. How many times has he done it, him and Christie done it, against Aberdeen and Derek McKenna? So often broken a lot of uh, red hearts in the north of uh, north of Scotland. But I was really impressed with Diego Laxalt. For me, he's growing all the time uh, into a Celtic shirt. But I always felt, even though Celtic sort of fatigued towards the end of the game, which is to be expected after their exploits in France, I never really thought Aberdeen asked enough questions of Celtic defensively. I don't recall Scott Bain having a serious save to make. Uh, and it was all a little bit flat from Aberdeen at times. It was a, a familiar tale um, and an all-too-familiar story for me. Um, I, I felt Celtic, to a, to a kind of very kind of forceful point, I thought took Aberdeen to the cleaners in the first half an hour today. Um, first 15 minutes aside, I thought Aberdeen did okay. But once Celtic got the 2-0 up, it could have been anything. Aberdeen were all over the place. Um, for me, three doesn't work. Ash Taylor, for me, is uh, too hot and cold. Um, Considine, as good as he's been in recent weeks, he can't perform to that standard week in, week out. Tommy Hoban's been impressive, but for me, has faults in his game as well. I think Aberdeen really missed Johnny Hayes today. I think... He, as a wing-back, he can sort of dig in and kind of make in like a five in defence if they need to be. I think they lost the balance of the team in midfield. I felt they lost that creativity in midfield. They had a lot of attacking players, but there didn't seem to be a lot of uh, plans in terms of how to test Scott being out or how to test uh, Duffy uh, and Beaton at the back, uh, especially. I thought Beaton, by the way, had an exceptional game today defensively. <clears throat> but Aberdeen must be sick of the sight of playing Celtic. It's now It's not since 1992 uh, that Aberdeen have failed. Uh, uh, well, the last time Aberdeen beat Celtic at Hamden, 1992 under Willie Muller. Um, it's an unwarranted record. It's eight semi-final or final defeats by Celtic in a row. It's uh, it's not good enough. It's um, quite disappointing, to be frank. Uh, I'm an Aberdeen fan, as many know. Um, I think Danny McInnes, and I'm sure his players will be gutted tonight, but it's a, it's a recurring theme, and it's kind of engrossed in Aberdeen for a long time, not just through Derek McInnes and the current crop of players, but it's been ingrained in Aberdeen for a while. There is this negative energy, this mental block against Celtic when it comes to matches at Hamden, and Aberdeen have fallen time and time again. Chris Sutton made a really good point after the 2018 League Cup final, and he mentioned Aberdeen being a nearly team, and he's spot on. And I compare Aberdeen in a way, and Derek McInnes to a large extent, to like Maurizio Pochettino at Tottenham Hotspur, um, there's no doubt that Aberdeen have improved massively since the days of Mark McGee in the early two th in the mid late 2000s, sorry, uh, and Craig Brown, who really kind of resurrected Aberdeen from the depths of despair in the sort of early 2010s. But apart from that League Cup final win against Inverness on penalties, um, 
the rewards have been very few and far between for, for Aberdeen. And as I said, there's no doubt Aberdeen are improved. And domestically, they've been reasonably consistent, top six most seasons, usually looking solid in Europe. But every season, the Cups pose an opportunity for a club like Aberdeen to win trophies. And as a fan, and I'm speaking as a fan here, and I think, personally, I would rather see Aberdeen win a trophy than finish third. And people listening to this may disagree, um, but I think, at the end of the day, Nobody cares if you finish third, fourth or fifth. All that they care about is who wins the league. For winning a cup, you know, for me, that memory is last forever. Um, so often Aberdeen have put themselves in good positions. And yes, Celtic have been ruthless. There's no doubt about that. Quadruple treble would be something of legendary status for uh, these players and everyone connected with Celtic. But there have been times where Celtic have been there for the taking. The 2017 Scottish Cup final. The League Cup final I just mentioned. I just think that Aberdeen, I don't know, can Derek McInnes get them over the line to get them a trophy? I'm beginning to have my doubts, but I've had my doubts for a long, long time about the second trophy that may be or may not be coming. And you look at someone like Joe Lewis, you look at someone like Andy Considine, real stalwarts of Aberdeen, and it would be regretful if someone like Joe Lewis, who I think is a quality goalkeeper, doesn't get a piece of silverware from his time at Aberdeen. Credit to Celtic, I'm going to say that again. They deserve to win on the day. I'm looking forward to the final against Hearts. It'll be a really good battle. I fancy Celtic to, to go on and do it. Um, I think Hearts will maybe use the spirit of Marius Aliukas to, to guide them, to give them a chance. But I've got to give Celtic huge, huge favourites for the final. Um, you know, on Sunday on Sunday's evidence, they'll take some stopping. It'll be interesting, Grant. It certainly will be in that final. Um, Hearts, of course... In the championship with 27 games this season, they'll be coming thick and fast for them. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see how their league form goes and they run up to that final. As as people always say, and they run up to to a cup final, players don't want to get injured to play in it. So, it'll be interesting to to see how that goes, and, and we'll come to the championship, of course, very soon. On the other side of Glasgow, going to the Scottish Premiership, the reason I'm starting with Rangers is they've had a really good week. They beat Lech Poznan at home in the Europa League. Alfredo Morelos was on the score sheet, equaling Ali McCoy's European record, which is an incredible achievement when you consider the amount of goals that Ali McCoy scored during his time at Rangers. And then they followed that up with a win on Sunday against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. James Tavenier scored from the penalty spot and put Rangers nine points clear. Now, obviously, to people listening to this, Celtic do have two games in hand, but you would rather your points on the board. I think Steven Gerrard will be delighted with his Rangers squad this season. For me, when they played Celtic at Celtic Park, um, they, they were deserving winners on the day. They were comfortable. They managed the game well. And they looked like a side that had been playing under the same manager for a couple of seasons and in the same system for well over a year. The players looked comfortable in their position. They looked comfortable um, in terms of what they were being asked to do. And again, today, Rugby Park's a tough place to go. I mean, it's a place where Celtic and Rangers, particularly in the Steve Clark era, um, had, had many hiccups. And, and it's a place that, that not many people would like to go. But when you look at Rangers' strength and attack, you think of the three that started today, Ryan Kent, Alfredo Morelos and Cedric Eaton. You think of the players that they've got in reserve. Kemar Ruth, who scored that incredible Europa League goal. Ayanis Hadji, Jermaine Defoe. You've got Stephen Davis, who can push forward. Brandon Barker. They have incredible strength and depth in the forward line. 
for me, they've got a midfield that's strong and can control games. And Ryan Jack today played, Joe Aribo, who I think improves every time I watch him. And Scott Arfield, who I feel that does a lot of the dirty work and sometimes doesn't get the credit he deserves. So for me, I think Rangers and Gerrard are in an incredible place at the moment. Defensively, I think their two fullbacks are better going forward than they are defending. So over the Christmas period, it'll be interesting to see how Rangers cope with league games coming thick and fast. At centre-half, Connor Goldson's growing into a Rangers jersey for me. Um, who partners him, I think, still something that that Gerard will be toying with. Philip Hollander, for me, is good, but he lacks pace. Balogun has more pace, but as he is strong defensively as Hollander, I don't quite know. So it's interesting with those selection dilemmas that Gerard has, but I can tell you this for sure, as you know, Grant, he'll be delighted to have those dilemmas with a team that's unbeaten in the league this season. And in Europe, looks as if they're going to qualify again with an incredible start. They've been uh, ruthless, Rangers. Controlled and measured uh, is the two words I would use. Um, I watched their game today against Kilmarnock. Um, it was a, a decent performance, not a magnificent display, um, but it doesn't matter how you get the results, it's get the wins. Um, as you mentioned, Kilmarnock, a very difficult place to go. You know, I, I for one, have really... Um, you know, enjoy the times that Rangers and Celtic have gone down to Kilmarnock and uh, had to be put in a battle uh, against Steve Clark's sides, but also against Alex Dyer's sides, because Alex Dyer continues to do a very solid job at Kilmarnock. And, but before I go on to talk about Rangers, I, I just want to say I thought Kilmarnock played decent today. They didn't create too many chances, but I thought they nullified Rangers quite well. I think they had to be a little bit braver at times. You know, I think Kabamba had moments where he was very decent. Um, I think he needed a little bit of support at times. I thought the midfield battle was a good watch. You know, I really enjoy watching Dicker and Power. I think they offer a lot to Spola as well as a very good competitor. But ultimately, the game was settled by a particularly naive handball from Ross Millen. Um, you know, it's a it's a good delivery into the box. Um, Goldson, I think, goes for the header, sort of gets half a flick on it, and and the ball comes across. And, and I don't know why Millen's raising his arm. It's a, it's it's pretty poor. It's pretty lazy defending. It's youthfulness kind of exposed. And uh, obviously the penalty was given, and, and Tavernier, you know, I think he's now into double figures for the season uh, in all competitions. He really knows where the net is, and, and certainly knows how to to drill a penalty home from from twelve yards. Um, but you mentioned Rangers in Europe, and I watched their game on Thursday night against Slash Poznan, and again, very similar performance. Not not really great, but they got the job done. And you mentioned about the depth of Rangers, and they brought Morelos off the bench, and you know to go and eclipse or or uh, do really well to, to match Ali McCoy's record is is absolutely fantastic. Um, Morelos in in Europe, I think is is where he comes alive. I think he's really impressive. But I think Rangers on the domestic scene, they've got lots of winners in their team, not just up front, but all over the pitch. You mentioned Stephen Davis, who I have a lot of admiration for him following Northern Irish football, but also following the international team, but the way he sort of evolves in that team. We haven't mentioned someone like Glenn Kamara, who I think is an important player in the team, along with Ryan Jack. Scott Arfield can offer a lot. Um, I'm a really big fan of Kent on his day. I think he's an absolutely superb player and one of the best in the league. But you mentioned defensively. Um, I love Barisic going forward. I think he creates a lot. And Tavernier likewise. I do agree to a point that they can be got at defensively. Um, but I don't think a lot of teams are asking enough questions of Rangers defensively. And I think until we see that, we'll get an idea of how good they are defensively. For me, Goldson has been outstanding this season. Um, I actually have a really interesting thought about who has been Rangers' best player so far this season. For me, 
it's a it's a close tie between Goldson and Tavernier. I think the two of them have been absolutely excellent. Um, for me, if you're asking me who I think Rangers' best centre park centre back partnership is between Goldson and whoever it is, for me, it is Balogun. Um, you know, I like Halander. I think he's I think he's a lot more knowledgeable, but he just doesn't have the pace. But I think Balogun, I was very impressed with him certainly on the opening day of the season at Petodre against Aberdeen. But I just think he's got something about him. I think he I think he reads the game quite well. He likes to get stuck in. Um, but Rangers have got a lot of options in a lot of areas. You know, even someone like someone like Bassey, who didn't play today, but he can come into the side. You know, we mentioned Eaton play today. Roof can come in. It looks like there's two positions for a range of positions all over the play, all over the pitch. And I think there's a lot of options. Even Hanji, you know, who I feel has been slightly below par this season. He's had a lot of assists, but I haven't really seen him kind of score enough goals for me. I'd like to see him add more goals to his game. But Rangers look good and. You know, defensively, they, they kept another clean sheet. They know how to get the job done. And as you mentioned, right to the beginning, and ultimately, nine points clear, points on the board. Celtic, yes, of the two games in hand, which you would expect them to win on paper. But I'd rather I was the person putting myself at the top of the leaderboard for someone to try and catch than being the person trying to, to close that gap. Absolutely, I agree with you. I think having the points in the bag is certainly the best thing um, for any football team, regardless of the level. And to talk about the other games in the Scottish Premiership, I'm going to go to Tannadice. Dundee United beating Ross County 2-1. And I have to again hold my hands up. I talked about Stevie Marlin earlier and I think he should play more. I was very sceptical of, skeptical, sorry, of Nicky Clark because I think he's a striker who at times in the past has flattered to deceive. Um, but I have to be honest with you, I think he's been exceptional this season. Five goals in the league, two goals in the cup. And a lot of people talked about Lord and Shankland this season for Dundee United and and, and I was probably one of them who was guilty of completely overlooking Clark and doubting whether he had the ability to score goals consistently in, 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 the, in, the, in the Premiership. But he's he started the season well, clinical from the penalty spot as well. And, and for me, Dundee United will be delighted with that victory. They've got an interesting team. Um, I think their, their centre midfield partnership with Butcher and Harks is workmanlike. I think they rely on Paula and Bolton for, for creativity in that midfield. I think that the other two I mentioned are, are more there to protect the structure. Um, Bolton's very quick, very, very quick, can cause teams problems, as we know. But crucially for, for Mickey Mellon, it's a home win. It's points on the board. It moves them up to fifth place, albeit competitors have games in hand. But as, as returning to the Scottish Premiership goes for Dundee United, they look as if they belong here. A lot of people said when, when Robbie Nielsen left, judge them after 10 games, I don't think they'll be as good. But 10 games, well, 11 games into the season, and uh, sorry, 13 games into the season for them, 11 for some of their competitors, they're sitting with 16 points, whereas you've got the likes of Hamilton and St Mirren on seven. So they've built a gap um, there, which means if they go through a tricky patch, that, that they should be okay and should be able to, to galvanise themselves again. On the other hand, Ross County have been a mixed bag this season. I think um, the, the recent form hasn't been hasn't been particularly impressive, and I, I think Stuart Kettle well will know that he's got a tough task on this season. I think he will know that that he has to pick the boys up soon because if you look at their recent form, two one defeat to Dundee United, four 0 convincing defeat, and a 0 0 draw at Hibs at home, which to be fair was a was a good result. You you may say. But that's six goals conceded in two games and only one in return. So 
I think he will be be thinking, do I need to change my system? Do I need to move away from, from the 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1 and try and, and structure the side more defensively? It may mean he has to sacrifice either Mackay or Stewart from the start, but I think he's going to have to do it because I just don't think the 4-4-2 is going to get him results away from home at the likes of Motherwell and Dundee United, as we've seen in the last fortnight. Um, yes, um, first of all, Saturday the 19th of September 2020. That was the last time Dundee United won a match in the Scottish Premiership, which I thought was absolutely extraordinary to, to read that. Um, you mentioned Nicky Clark. I've got Nicky Clark in my fantasy football Scotland team, so I'm really glad he's uh, bagging some points for me, just as a side note. But he's a really good player. Um, you know, I, I'm interested that you thought you were quite sceptical of him at the start, because I actually was more sceptical of Shanklin making the step up to the Scottish Premiership level, whereas Clark has obviously had a period of time to play and adapted his game in the top flight. I think he's a really good player and he's showed a lot of quality with some of the goals he scored this season, particularly that free kick against uh, Lonnieston, albeit they, they did lose the game. Back-to-back 2-1 wins against Ross County as well. Of course, they won the reverse fixture up in Dingwall earlier in the season and he's he's the sort of guy, he's a, he's a match winner and Dundee United need players like that. And I, I, You mentioned their midfield. I really like Harks especially. I think he creates a lot. Pollock as well. Um, still not fully convinced about United defence. So I know Reynolds is in there and um, kind of is there for uh, protection purposes and a bit of um, experience but I, I'm still a little bit sceptical of United defensively I do like Segrist I think he's one of the best goalkeepers in the league but you mentioned about Ross County um, it's been a poor run they're in uh, five games without a win um, lost four of them two um, and they still for me concede too many soft goals they, they conceded poor goals against Aberdeen at home recently they were very poor against Motherwell last week and from Ollie Shaw, um, they just don't score enough goals. That was only their eighth league goal of the season. Only Hamilton, I think it is. Oh, sorry, Samirin, sorry. I've conceded, I've scored more, which is uh, quite extraordinary. In fact, you have to go back to mid-September uh, for, some, uh, for Ross County's last goal that they scored, uh, which was, of course, that 1-0 win. Um, and also their last victory. For me, it's actually... I actually am very worried about Ross County. Um, I, I think... They've lost that sort of pizzazz that they had early in the season. Um, they lack a bit of panache in attack in areas. As I said, I think defensively they're there for the taking. Um, but what a big game they have on Friday against uh, Livingston, um, which we'll come on to talk about in a minute, because that for me is a huge six-pointer. Um, I think if County lose that game, I would not be surprised if uh, there's a lot of uh, question marks uh, and certainly mounting pressure on uh, Stuart Kettlewell, who have a lot of time for and uh, you know really want him to do well. But ultimately... Results haven't been good enough. And talking about home results not being good enough, we need to talk about Livingston. Their last two home games in the Scottish Premiership, a 3-1 defeat at Kilmarnock and a 2-0 defeat at home to Motherwell. And Motherwell are decent sides. They are. They're, they're more than decent. They're good sides in the Scottish Premiership. But Livingston are normally a side that makes a habit out of their home form being really strong. And it, it just it hasn't been in these last two games you have to point to, to Mullerwell and say that, that Tony Watt, I think, will have proven a lot of his critics wrong recently. I think he's in a really good run of form. He got another goal at the weekend and, 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 and is making things happen as well as scoring goals, which he will be very pleased by. And so will Stephen Robinson, because a lot of guys that have worked with Watt, whether it's players that have played with him or coaches that have had him, always say, if you can get him focused and in the zone, he's a quality, quality player. And, Maybe Grant, he's found a club in Motherwell that, that just compliments him at this stage of his career. 
Well, first of all, Motherwell, Callum, are really making up for lost time, aren't they? Because with coronavirus having a bit of an effect on clubs like at Kilmarnock and St Mirren, you know, they at one stage hadn't played a game for over a month. And, you know, they really are making up for lost time, as I said. Back-to-back victories, you know, without conceding. Uh, they've won four of the, the last five games. And I love the way Stephen Robinson talked of Motherwell as being a savvy team right now. And I think that's a really good word to describe them. Tony Watt, you've mentioned, I really talked up Tony Watt on my last review of the SPFL, the review of the week uh, blog. Um, for me, what flatters to deceive a lot of the time, but when he is good, he is a very, very good player. But I have to say, Callum Lang um, compliments him really well as a player. I really like the way he gets involved, could sometimes run behind or run in front of Watt to create opportunities. They, they seem like they've got a good understanding uh, of one another. Um, and they, they really are getting back to the way, Motherwell, what they used to do early in the season. But the, ulti- the ultimate caveat to that is they are now putting chances away. They were creating a lot of chances in the games that they were losing or not winning, but they just weren't taking their chances. But now they are really uh, making the most of their situations. They're being ruthless. And I think that is really a, a big important. Just an aside, though, that not only the defeat they've had in the last five was that 5-1 against Rangers. They, they won yesterday against Livingston, as we mentioned. They were 4-0 against County the week before. They won at Pataudry, uh, 3-0. And, of course, they beat St. Johnston, which, uh, you know, St. Johnston are a very difficult side themselves. But, crucially, in that four games I just mentioned, they never conceded once. And I think that's quite extraordinary. And it really is chalk and cheese. And, and St- Stephen Robinson has to take a lot of credit because, at the time, myself included, felt that Robinson was under a bit of pressure after the poor start. But you have to give him and his players so much credit for the way uh, they turn things around. And I'll tell you something. Celtic next week will have... I have to play well at Far Park, I believe, to, to get someone against Motherwell because Motherwell are really in, in good form alone. But um, Livingston, um, what? Um, two wins out of their seven they've had at home so far um, this season. And uh, yeah, it really is a tough time uh, for Gary Holt's side. Um, I think they're really struggling without Lyndon Dykes uh, for his goals. Um, I don't think they've got the right balance in the team. Um, last, I think. There's been times where the defence look a little bit ragged. Um, Robbie McCrory's made a couple of mistakes. The game against Hamilton, they've been struggling from set pieces. Yesterday, I thought Motherwell were too good for them. They were they were a yard sharper, I felt, most of the game. And, you know, as, going back, as I mentioned about Ross County being a huge game, this is a big game for Gary Holt because, you know, Livingston have to go to Dingwall and get a result like the one they managed from their... Last away win before they beat Dundee United, which was that 4-1 away win. They need to put in a performance like that because they need to get some form of you know, quality going because they're just not scoring enough goals, one. But two, they're, they look like they're easy to get at. And you know, I've watched a lot of Livingston's games, especially at home this season. Um, and apart from the, the Ross County game and the, and the Rangers game aside, teams have went to, to the Tony Macaroni this season and and really run them over. I mean, Hibbs did it early in the season with the Disbutt hat trick. I mentioned Hamilton, you know, Motherwell yesterday. It's a recurring theme. And I got the impression listening to Gary Holt's post match interview on Radio Sports Sound yesterday, um, as we're recording this, um, he was not a happy man. So, worrying times for the Lions. But I, I back Holt to turn around. I think Holt's a good manager. In the same way as Kel, we'll have a lot of time for the two of them. But they, they both need a result on Friday. That is for absolute sure. Before we talk about the Championship, I want to run through the League One results in Scotland. Airdrie were defeated 2-0 at home by Dumbarton. Clyde uh, were beaten 2-0 at home by Peterhead. Cove Rangers won our game of the week 
they beat Partick Thistle 1-0 with a Rory McAllister 94th minute winner. Um, 2-0 home win for Falkirk over East Fife. Four for Athletic. Two, Montrose three was an absolute thriller by all accounts. But we're going to speak now to Cove Rangers assistant manager Gordon Young. Gordon spoke to me earlier on this evening about his club start to the season. They've won all three of their League One games. And Gordon says they're literally just taking things one game at a time. Joined on the SPFL show today by a very special guest, Cove Rangers assistant manager Gordon Young. Cove are a team who, when they were promoted from the Highland League, many people were excited to see in League Two as it was last season. They, they won that league uh, and they deserve to go up to League One. The big question when a team's promoted is is how can they get on? Before we come to the start of the season, how proud were you and Paul Hartley, of course, the manager, about getting promotion last season? Because that's one hell of an achievement. It was way beyond our expectations, uh, to be honest. Uh, really, when we went in, we'd inherited a good squad. Um, this was a team that had won the Highland League for three years in a row uh, and, and you know, duly won their place in the league uh, through the playoffs. Uh, and that really endorses how well the pyramid system's working. Um, I, I see that just digressing slightly. My son came back to America and signed for East Stirling. And... I've I've kept in tabs just with the, the Cove Rangers side and also about how he's doing. And when you look at that league, when you've got likes of East Kilbride and East Stirling and Bowness and Kelty Hearts that are all investing, it shows that the dynamics of the league could change in the next five or six years where maybe the, the historical ones that have been there for 150 years maybe not in there. So that, that was a... That was a kind of long-winded answer, but um, we're, de- we're delighted that uh, we actually won the league. It was it was a fantastic achievement for the players. And my biggest disappointment, not for me, but it w- I was disappointed for the players because they never get their 15 minutes in the sun. That- well, well, that's a, that's a, definitely the, the big thing that was was a shame for, for Cove, the other teams that, that won the leagues as well. And especially for Cove, when you consider the fact that it was a historic achievement to just join the SPFL to win one of the titles is, 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 is unbelievable. What I would say about last season and, and the start to this season, but we'll come to, that I've been really impressed with yourself and Paula, is the fact that you've got players that were with Cove in that Highland League spell. I think a Mitch Meganson, who has really made that step up and is is now skipper in the side. What's it like working with guys like him who are probably players that, if it wasn't for Cove getting up, would maybe still be in the Highland League? Well, if you, Mitch and, and people like uh, Ryan Strachan and um, Jamie Masson, uh, players like that, they, they've they've all been at league level uh, before because of the geographical position. Blair Yule, um, these are all players that have been with maybe Peter Head or Breakin um, and Troes. Uh, Mitch has certainly been about. You know, he worked for Paul before at Alloa. Um, he'd, he'd been at Wraith. Um, so he had, and a lot of them, their their history or their roots goes back to Aberdeen, um, and a lot of them come through the youth system at Aberdeen. So they're they're decent players. And Cove had the foresight to to recruit well in that league and build, you know, the, the best team in the Highland League. So it was an unusual position for Paul and I to go in. You normally get into a club when they're not doing well and you get into a club that you're, you're expected to turn the ship around. But this was a club that had been successful. So that was quite a unique position, albeit they were going up a league. Uh, and there was certainly no pressure uh, for the chairman of the board because they were really interested in staying in the league. 
Um, but for the, the players to win 14 games, um, every home game in the league at home was, was terrific. Uh, the only team in Europe that, that won every home game um, last season. And thankfully, they've continued that this year. That That's 16 league games in a row they've won, which is an unbelievable achievement. And that's where I was, I say, disappointed that they never get their chance to celebrate in, in the normal fashion. And, and probably a little bit with Rovers and Dundee United and Celtic as well. But these clubs have history um, and did that previously, whereas it was completely unique to Cove. And I just felt a wee bit um, sorry for them that they didn't get share in that moment with their, their friends and their families. When you win the league and you're going up to League One, you know what it's like. Every promoted team, as you've rightly said, their aim is to first and foremost stay in the new league when they go up, regardless of what people think out with the club. That's that's just the way of it, as you and I both know, Gordon. In terms of the start this season, I mean, when you look at the fixtures, you think, right, you're starting the league against these five who are a team who have played pretty well in League One over the last couple of seasons. Peterhead, albeit yes, they've been a bit of a yo-yo club in, in recent years, but they've got the pedigree at that level. And then Partick Thistle. So from the outside looking in, a lot of people were maybe thinking, right, OK, Cove have won League Two. They've, they've, as you say, they've not lost a home game. That's a great achievement, but this is when they'll be really tested. And fair play to you, Gordon. 3-1 against East Fife, 2-0 against Peterhead, and a last gasp winner against Partick at the weekend. You and Paul must be absolutely delighted with the start so far. Well, I think all the credit, you know, goes to the players because uh, I don't know if you saw, but when we played Hibs um, in the bet thread, it was live on the TV, and a lot of people expected us to tie. It was the reverse. We actually finished stronger, uh, and with Rory McAllister scoring in the eighty-third minute yesterday, it highlights the fitness levels of the players. So, therefore, the credit goes to them how they maintained themselves uh, during the lockdown, and all of the programs that we sent, whether it be. Ta- uh, technical or physical these guys bought into it so they're getting the rewards for for really knuckling down and that's why all the pre, uh, you know the the plaudits go to them and in terms of Rory McAllister you, you mentioned him there at league one and league two level he is he's proven he scores goals um, for any club he plays for started on the bench at the weekend but as you mentioned comes on with 20 minutes or so to go scores that last gasp winner What's he been like to work with? Because he's a player that I think any club in, in League One or League Two would be desperate to have and, and cover, obviously, the club that's that's got him. Well, again, that, that was due to the geographical position. And last January at the window, we thought we, we needed another striker just to get us over the line because we were nip and tuck with Edinburgh all the way. Uh, and we didn't want to put um, extra pressure on Mitch, um, who's got an unbelievable scoring record. He, he scored some like you know, 51 goals in the last two seasons, um, which is an unbelievable achievement. And we felt if we could bring somebody that's slightly different in terms of stature um, to, to help us, and that's what Rory's done. And even going up to Peterhead last, last week, we wouldn't have won there last season. We didn't really have the, the mindset to change our game. Um, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a bad day in terms of weather conditions. Uh, and, and we, we played a different style and we showed a bit more maturity and I'll be honest yesterday uh, none of the two teams deserve to lose I actually felt sorry for party because I would have hated if we'd have lost in the last minute the, the, the conditions were so bad overhead um, obviously underfoot with a, a very good 3G surface or 4G surface that we have but the overhead conditions were horrendous uh, and it was it was unfair for any team to lose the game but 
with having somebody like Rory to come on, that might have been just the difference. Uh, you know how how that game planned out. As we said at the start of this interview, Gordon, um, it's it's too early for any team in the league to be thinking we're going to challenge or we're going to stay up because you know the way football works. Things can turn very quickly for, for good or for bad, but the momentum's certainly with you at the moment in the first three games and, and long may that continue. But in terms of that continuation, how are, how are you and Paul and, and your backroom staff finding the current situation with the fact that Obviously, there's there's different tiers, etc. Been brought in in Scotland. Is there any worry from your point of view that the season might be suspended for a period of time? Are you preparing for all avenues, or is your focus simply just on the next game? I don't think we can. We're all, you know, we, we double guess ourselves um, from from March the thirteenth, thinking we'll be back in three weeks, then maybe five weeks. Then we said we'd be two months. So. That's why I referred to the programmes that we'd sent the players on a, a regular basis because we kept thinking that we would resume. Then we had a, an elongated period of rest. Um, so we're, you're never going, unless you've got a crystal ball, you just really you need to take, I know we talk about a game at a time, but we really talk about a training session at a time and we prepare for the next game. Because uh, going back to that time, we had just beaten Stirling Albion 7-1 on the Tuesday night, and it was the best performance of the season by a country mile. Uh, we trained on the Thursday, preparing for Cowden Beath on the Saturday, and on the Friday, all football got suspended. So you, you really haven't got the luxury of forward planning, but what we did was that we would try and get off to the best possible start, given it was a 27-game league, uh, league this year. Um, and, and our focus is, and our target is to stay in the league. So right now we're seven points clear of relegation and that's honestly how we're looking at things. We're up against Partick, Airdrie and Falkirk who are all full-time and have got you know, big squads. Um, and then, as you say, you've got perennial playoff teams like East Fife and Montrose, Clyde who have been over the distance many, many, many years, um, Forfar and, and, and Peterhead. So we're, we're the new boys and we're, we're just kind of excited that we get the chance to pick our wits against these people and, and just do our best. You mentioned that game against Stirling uh, The last time I interviewed you was before that game So all the best for this weekend's game against Forfar And, and if you win by if you win by a similar margin then, then I think we should interview you more often Well, if we win by the same margin You can do this every week <laughs> All the best for the rest of the season, Gordon And thanks for your time Thanks very much, good luck Stay safe Gordon Young there on the SPFL show. He's, he's very pleased with the start to the season at Cove Rangers. You can you can understand why, Grant. Just how impressed have you been with Cove's adaptation to the SPFL in general? As Gordon said on air there, since they've started in the SPFL, they've been they've been they've been top of the league in League Two and now in League One. Nine points from nine, um, six goals scored, just the one conceded. It's been a pretty faultless start, hasn't it? And I, I have a soft spot for Cove Rangers. I like Paul Hartley. I think he's a really good manager. He spoke really well on the Aberdeen Celtic uh, game um, last weekend. Um, I think he came. I think he comes across really well uh, as a manager. But but Cove are a good side. Um, I thought Cove were too good for League Two last season. They're coming into League One. They've had a, a really good start. They, they beat East Fife uh, on the opening day, 3-1. And then to go to Peterhead, they're kind of better rivals. I like to call them a bit of a rivalry in North Derby. And to win 2-0 at, at uh, Balmour is a, is a fantastic result. This early days, of course. And, uh, you know, I'd expect teams like Falkirk and particularly Partick Thistle have had a poor start to really sort of kick on and maybe gain some momentum. But why can't Cove 
um, stay there. You know, they've, they've been really, really good. They've made a very good start. I think their, their, their next couple of games, they've got Forfer at home and, and Falkirk away, which will be a tough game. But the next few games will be interesting to see if they can continue that fine form. But they've got some quality players. McAllister obviously knows the way to go. He did that so many, so often, should I say, for uh, for Peterhead. And, you know, they've got a very good, solid defence. Um, they've got some quality players in midfield, particularly Jamie Masson, who have got a lot of time for. And, um, you know, a lot of really good options. So, yeah, watch the space for Cove. I've tipped them to get into the playoffs. They're certainly punching above my expectations, that's for sure, at this early stage. I think um, they definitely are punching above expectations. People talk about Cove an awful lot and budgets, etc. They're a part-time football club. They train twice per week and they're in a league with a full-time Airdrie, a full-time Falkirk and a full-time Partick Thistle. So... And, just to, and just to mention, sorry, just to add in there, as you mentioned, Partick Thistle, a full-time outlet. And remember, we're relegated because of the COVID structure, because of you know they had the game in hand and had they won it, they could have stayed up. Regardless of that, they went and beat them on their own patch 1-0. That is a truly sensational result. It certainly is. Going to the Championship, Grant, as I say, Dundee drew one each with Wraith Rovers. 3-2 win for Dunfermline, East End Park against Queen of the South. Inverness and John Robertson will be very relieved to have beaten Arbroath 3-1 after um, scored in that match to, to give them the jitters. Um, and then Morton, a five-goal thriller at Capolo. Andy Ritchie, who, who co-hosts the show fortnightly, was on commentary and I spoke to Andy last night on the phone and he was saying one of the craziest games of football he's seen in a while, Ergo 2-0 up, they've got 10 men and then Morton come back in the most incredible last 10 minutes with Lewis Strapp scoring a goal while looking like Terry Butcher after an eye injury during the game. David Hopkin delighted, Morton delighted and a, bit, a big result for them. Crucially though, Grant, at this stage of the, the championship season, we're only three games in. Dunfermline have a perfect record. Wraith Rovers have, have been very impressive. Um, Hearts, of course, were in Scottish Cup duty. Who's impressed you most so far and who are you worried for? Uh, I'm really impressed with Dunfermline. Um, not just because I've had Declan McManus on Campbell's footballs and I'm really looking forward to seeing all the goals he's scored and to say that it was all down to me. Um, but no, joking aside, I've been really impressed with Dunfermline. I think they've been uh, a joy to watch. I think there's a little bit of pressure on them because they've had a little bit of an investment uh, put into the club. But uh, it looks like they've got a lot of good players that are scoring a lot of goals, not just McManus. I've been really impressed with Thomas O'Hara. Defensively, Watson and Murray have been very good. And, and uh, you know, um, Owen von Williams in goal is, uh, you know, a very solid goalkeeper as well. Um, you know, they've been really impressive. Wraith as well, you know, good start for them. Seven points for the first three games. I think, you know, Wraith have... Uh, done very well so far. You mentioned Hearts, you know, I still think they're going to be the team to beat. Um, they weren't brilliant at uh, Gayfield um, a couple of Fridays ago, but they got the job done, uh, winning 1-0. Very tough place to go, Gayfield, so to, to win that game was was equally as impressive, I feel, as the one that they did uh, against Dundee uh, on the opening day of the season. In terms of teams I'm worried about, uh, I'm worried for our growth already. I know we're only three games in. I thought our growth punched well above their weight last season to finish fifth and Whilst that was an absolutely terrific achievement for Dick Campbell and his team, um, I just wonder if this season could be a bit of a bump down to earth with, to them. You know, they've got a very threadbare squad. Um, you know, I think, you know, too often they don't score enough goals. They've only scored once so far this season. I know I said only three games in, but, you know, they, they, they have had a, a, a reasonably tough start. You know, Inverness away is a, a tough place to go. Uh, you know, Hearts at home was obviously not easy, but I think they'll be disappointed in the way that they kind of fell away very badly against Wraith on the opening day. That'll be a big disappointment for Dick and his team, I'm sure. 
Um, Aloha for me, you know, I think will will always be down there. You know, I, I, you know they they obviously weren't in action yesterday, but you know they were well beaten at home by Dunfermline, and Aloha have always been built on being a side very tough to beat at home. So that wasn't a particularly good start, and I know they lost against Morton, uh, a team you know well, of course, Callum on the opening day, but. You know, that was a game that I felt they possibly could have got something from as well. So, but the championship's a great league. You know, I'm keeping an eye on Air United. I think you know, getting someone like Bruce Anderson on loan, you know, that, that might be a big difference. Um, Dundee, you know, fairly uh, up and down start. Same with Inverness. Um, Queen of the South, you know, do I worry for them a little bit? I'm not sure. I always think at Palmerston, Queen of the South have always got a chance. I know they lost five two against Wraith. A couple of weeks ago, but you know they they know they are scoring goals, so there's there's not a problem there. The only problem is they are just conceding far too many. It is early days. Uh, I still fancy Hearts to win the league, even at this early stage. But I think my teams I would be worrying about are the teams with two A's. I'm afraid Arbroath and Allen. I love Arbroath fans, uh, and I love Arbroath. I beat the Gayfield, and uh, you know I have a lot of time for Allen fans as well. So please prove me wrong, but I have some early concerns. That's for sure. I would echo those concerns for our growth and, and I'm sure Dick Campbell will will be delighted that we're writing them off or, or at least worried about them because he loves nothing more than, than proving any doubters wrong. So I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll revel in that if these pick up form, which I'm sure he'll believe they can do. In terms of League 2, Albion Rovers were defeated 2-0 by Brecon City. Uh, first win for Brecon since the sacking of manager Mark Wilson. A one-all draw for Cowden Beath against Denhouse Muir. Edinburgh City beat Elgin City 1-0 in a game that I think could be quite crucial in terms of gathering momentum for expected playoff places, as I'll come to in a wee minute. Stirling Albion defeated Annan 1-0 at home. And then in the CFB game of the weekend in League 2, Strunrar were defeated 1-0 by Queen's Park in Ray McKinnon. Ross McLean, formerly of Motherwell and Greenock Morton, scored the goal. A, a, a game that, that Queen's Park will be delighted to win because they are everybody's scalp, you could say, this season. By all accounts, a very even game. If you look at the stats for the game, um, seven shots altogether for Stranraer, nine for Queen's Park. Both teams had five in target. This possession was evenly split. It was a tough contest for Queen's Park, but they are the team grant. We all expect to, to go up. I said this last week to Andy. They're a full-time team playing in a part-time division, whether you like it or not. The pressure's on them, and so far they've they've risen to the occasion. They have dropped points already this season, but they're undefeated. Well, I, I agree with your sentiments that Queen's Park should be winning um, League Two. For me, I felt the only team that could really challenge them are Edinburgh City, who are saying third, and you know that, that good win against uh, Elgin, as you mentioned. But Interesting story about Queen's Park. They're, they're top of the table, um, seven points, as you said. Just scored three goals, uh, but they haven't conceded. And, you know, it's a really interesting uh, balance uh, of a team. They, you know, they're not giving too much away, obviously, but they're, they're not scoring and blowing teams away either. So it's uh, so it's an interesting balance to see that. But it's so tight, isn't it? Just three points between the leaders, Queen's Park, and seventh place, Cowden Beath, who... Uh, you know, are, are, are an interesting side on the day. I've been really impressed with Stirling Albion. I'm a big fan of Kevin Rukovitz, who's manager. And, you know, they had a, a really good win yesterday at home to Annan 1-0, as you mentioned there. And, you know, I, I have a soft spot for uh, the Beanos, and I really hope that they have a, a good season. But even at this early stage, you know, Albion Rovers bottom of the table, no points. Um, obviously, they lost Kevin Harper to, towards the, the end of last campaign. 
You know, they lost to Brecon yesterday. Michael Payton's first game in shards, you know, taking over from Mark Wilson. I'm sad to see Mark lose his post, but well done to, to Michael Payton on getting a win. But Albion Rovers, not a great start for them. They lost at home to Brecon yesterday. They lost at Queen's Park. And you know, on the opening day, they, they lost at home to, to Stennis Muir. So not a great start for, for Albion Rovers. But Queen's Park, you mentioned them. You know, they are still the team to beat, but it's very, very close. Very early days. Um, and it's to see how things unfold. It certainly will be. Before we go, we'll just go through the games, Grant. Quick fire. We don't need to give scores because on Football CFB, myself, Grant and John Bleasdale, another one of our, our writers and colleague, um, will be doing our predictions where we'll be giving scores and that'll be released normally every Friday morning for you to, to chew over before the games. So we'll go to the Scottish Premiership, Grant, this week. As I say, just uh, whatever team you think will win or draw. Aberdeen versus Hibs. Narrow Aberdeen win. I'm going to go for a draw. Ross County versus Livingston. Ooh, tough one to call. I'll go narrow County win. They need a win. I'm going to agree with you. I think County will win. St Mirren, Dundee United. I'm just going to say it, Grant. I think Dundee United will win the game. St Mirren haven't played in a long time um, for reasons out worth their control in many regards. I think Dundee United's fitness will ultimately get them over the line in March sharpness. Um, two words, full agreement. <laughs> St Johnston, Kilmarnock. Um, St Johnston been a bit unlucky this season. Um, tempted to go draw, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly nick it. I think St Johnston will win. I'm going to stick my neck out. I think St Johnston will get the, the win at home, and I think it will be it will be interesting to see that game. It's a game that I I, I predict won't have many goals in it, so it will probably be a, yeah, a six goal thriller. <laughs> um, Celtic away at Motherwell Grant I'm going to back um, Celtic to win that game I think um, they've got a key game in Europe coming this week but ultimately they know they need to get points in the league because Rangers have got the points on the board I'm going to say Celtic to win but Motherwell to score Rangers versus Hamilton again I mentioned it with St Mirren I think Rangers are clearly on a great run of form at the moment they have the march sharpness and the momentum Hamilton didn't play this weekend so for me I think a very comfortable Rangers win I'm going to be honest well I'm going for Rangers to win but let's not forget the last time Hamilton won at Ibrox before this whole coronavirus pandemic came in um, but I think Rangers will win and I think they'll win to nil Championship Grant, Aloha Athletic are at home on the Friday evening. They're playing Dundee. I'm actually going to stick my neck out. I'm going to say draw. I think Peter Grant knows his Aloha side needs to get points on the table. And I think they're going to start with a draw at Dundee. Tough game this. Um, I think Dundee have got maybe a slight fraction more quality with Adam and Dorans in particular. I'm going to go narrow Dundee away one. Other championship fixtures, Grant, are both Queen of the South. Score draw. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to, I'm going to say full agreement. Um, Air Dunfermline. Good game this. Um, could be a really entertaining game this as well. Um, I'm going to go very entertaining 2-2 draw. Oh, I know we're doing scores but I fancy a high scoring game. <laughs> as Andy Ritchie would say and as you know a Desmond 2-2 two, two, uh, two, two there I, I think... I think Air United are going to win there. I, I, I'm going to get a lot of flack for these predictions over the game, of the season. Regardless of score, I think my cracking game. It will do. We've got the John Robertson derby. We've got Hearts in Inverness on Saturday. I think Hearts have got the job done, but I think John Robertson will, will set up Inverness to be tough to beat and try and catch them on the counter. 
I love the way you called that the John Robertson derby. That's very, very astute of you. Uh, I think Hearts to win, but loving Inverness to score. I nearly called him Livingston there. Inverness to score. Wraith Rovers versus Morton. I think David Hopkin will be will be happy with his start to the season. Two wins and a draw. I know David well, but I'm going to upset him and say I think Wraith Rovers will win this game narrowly because I'm not convinced that how Morton will perform on the road this season. That being said, they might prove me wrong, but I'm going for narrow Wraith Rovers victory. I'm going to have a bit more optimism than yourself here then. I'm going to go for a draw. That'll be interesting to see. League One, the CFB game of the week. There's some crackers. Erdre are playing Clyde. Cove playing Forfar. East Fife and Barton's very tasty. Montrose, Peterhead. Oh, what a game that's going to be as well. It's a tasty card this weekend in League One. But there has to be no doubt. Partick Thistle versus Falkirk for me is the game of the weekend. Massive pressure on Ian McCall. I think Falkirk get the job done. And I think that there, there will be pressure, massive, massive, massive pressure on Ian McCall as a result. I see. I've got a big soft spot for the Jags. I'm gonna go score draw. The next game we're into League Two. We've got Annan versus Albion Rovers, Brecon versus Stirling Albion. We've got Elgin Queens Park, which will be interesting. Gavin Price will fancy his side at home, I'm sure. We've got Stranraer, Cowden Beath, but the CFB game of the weekend is Stenhouse Muir, Edinburgh City. I'm going to go for goals in that game, but I think Edinburgh City and James McDonough will ultimately go over the line. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I'm going for a comfortable Edinburgh City away victory. And listeners who support Stenhouse Muir, Grant used the word comfortable. I did not. So if you have any comments, direct them at Mr. Campbell, Sorry, please. Sorry, fans of Ockleby. <laughs> I'm banned from there now. <laughs> I have to say, Grant, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you on the show. Um, I, I love the fact that, obviously, I've got Andy Fortnightly. I've got your good self, Fortnightly. I wouldn't have it any other way. As I said at the start of the show, check out Campbell's Football's 150 shows, an incredible achievement. Grant's shows have a mix of guests, as I've said. You've got Al- likes of Alvaro Romeo, who Guillaume Balaga even listened to Grant's um, show. That's something that will that will be a great listen, I'm sure, um, if you've not listened to it already, and there's plenty more to come. All I've got to say is it's been a pleasure um, having... Um, Gordon Young on the SPFL show and I'm delighted to exclusively announce literally I've just had the message in as we're recording that Stuart Petrie, the Montrose manager will join me on the next show um, to talk about his progress with Montrose and his hopes for the season but from Grant and myself take care, stay safe and crucially get involved in the show get your questions in at stato underscore Grant or Callum CFB good night, take care